Okay, Plastic Surgery Nation, we are back. Myself, Dr. Byron Poindexter, along with my partners, Dr. George Weston, Dr. Robert Siegel, and Dr. Christopher Knotts. We make up Austin Weston, the Center for Cosmetic Surgery, a plastic surgery practice which is devoted entirely to cosmetic surgery. We are board-certified plastic surgeons, and we perform all aspects of cosmetic surgery. And what you're listening to is our podcast, which is our desire to be able to enlighten, inform, and maybe entertain just a little bit uh, in what we know best, and that is cosmetic surgery. So today, we are going to talk about what I think is extremely difficult and perhaps impossible, uh, and that's how to pick a plastic surgeon to perform your procedure. I really think that unless you have a friend who has had cosmetic surgery, plastic surgery, and has had a wonderful experience that they will tell you about and a wonderful result that they show you, you are almost just screwed. Because it is so confusing out there on who does what, who does it well. Anybody can claim that they are a cosmetic surgeon. Absolutely can. That's not regulated, strangely enough. Uh, And some people even use the term plastic surgeon in some form that's quite not uh, perhaps as uh, honest as you would like it to be. And there can be plastic surgeons who uh, really are fully trained, board-certified plastic surgeons who really may not perform very much cosmetic surgery or have that much experience in it. So that doesn't help now, does it? So that's one thing we're going to touch on today. Uh, And we're going to get the input of my partners and we'll see what kind of answers we can come up with for that. I think we'll start off with talking to Dr. Knotts, who is our most recently board-certified plastic surgeon. He's the one that's closest to the process, has been through it most recently, Uh, and then uh, the rest of us can give our input as well. So sit back and prepare for what we hope is uh, an enlightening conversation. Dexter, Dr. P, as my patients like to call me. I'm back with uh, Dr. Knotts, and we're going to talk about board certification. So welcome, Dr. Knotts. Thank you, and, yeah. and thanks for the intro. I'm kind of excited to do the podcast thing. And I think out of all the topics that's most confusing to patients, board certification is one of them. Um, I have you know several friends that are considering plastic surgery, or they just ask me questions about it, and I really have to explain board certification completely because they have no idea. And I think the most, um, one of the most confusing things about board certification is that there's many different boards. So, you know, you can find some, someone could literally come off the street with no medical education. And if they wanted to start their own, you know, medical board of cosmetic surgery, they could say they are board certified in cosmetic surgery. And to the lay person, to the general public, that sounds like board certification. You know, to me, that sounds like a board certified plastic surgeon when in fact, you know, the, the main governing body that we use as plastic surgeons is, is the American Society of Plastic Surgery. So to say you're a board-certified plastic surgeon, you have to be certified by them. And it's hard, you know, being out there in the public or just, just digging through all the information that's online to tell whether or not your surgeon is certified by the right board or not. Yeah. So, and it's even confusing, you know, to us. We have so many different options, but so there's the American Society of Plastic Surgery, which is a group that we belong to, but we're actually certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. Now, to be a member of that society, you have to be certified by that board. Dr. Knotts made the great point, the American Board of Plastic Surgery, uh, that's who are the people that are trained to do all the reconstructive stuff that you might think of. 
breast reconstruction or if you're in an auto accident and you have to have reconstruction of an injury to your leg or children who have cleft lip and palate. Those are the, the types of things we do in our training as well as the uh, cosmetic cases that we get trained to do. So, and, and you know that brings up a great point because just because you're certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery, that doesn't mean that you necessarily do a whole lot of one certain type. I mean, there might be a person that 90% of their practice is doing cleft lip and palate. And that may not be the person you're wanting to go to for a breast augmentation, but how would you know? You know, I mean, you're having to wade through things online. Um, I always tell people, go to their website. If you, if you think you found a good surgeon, go to their website. Spend a little time looking through their videos. Um, spend a lot of time looking through their before and after photographs. If someone doesn't do many of that certain type of procedure, they just won't have the before and after photographs. And, and then, you know, uh, that may not be somewhere that you want to go. Yeah, it's actually interesting. One, one thing that happens out there, though, for a lot of... Uh Live new technology is that there will be people that use photographs from the company that makes that particular device. So maybe you're using a new laser and you say, hey, I'm interested in this type of laser and Dr. Jones has it and you go to their website and you see some fantastic pictures and actually they may not be the pictures that belong to Dr. Jones. They might be some that are representative or from the company that the person is using there. And so that's, you know, you have to be, and in my introduction I said, if you don't have a friend who's been someplace, you know, you're kind of screwed because it is so difficult. I have a, a difficult time. Now, one thing I wanted to get with Dr. Knotts because he is so close to the process and since we started talking about board certification is what he just went through for the past two years to actually achieve the certification that comes from the American Board of Plastic Surgery. So could you just kind of let people know what that sure. process was like? Sure. So it's it's about a two-year process. Once you finish with your residency, which is you're focusing on plastic surgery, um, but you're training under another physician, if you will. So once you finish with residency... And just to, to, How long was that? That's a minimum of five. Currently, it's six, actually. People that are graduating now, it's a minimum of six years, and that's so, after medical school. So medical school, which is four years after college, six years of training yes. after that, and now another two years that you actually have to be in practice? Correct. Okay. And, and so after you finish your residency, you're, you're eligible to take the written exam. So the, to become board certified, there's a written exam and an oral exam. Once you finish residency, you can take the written exam, um, and then assuming you pass that, you have to start taking care of people out in practice. So you can, like I said, open up a clinic down the street and actually start practicing medicine. And you have to collect every surgery you do. You have to write it down on a piece of paper. And at the end of a full year of, of doing these surgeries, you send that list into the board. And the board actually chooses five of those patients and they say, we want the full medical records on them. You send them preoperative photographs, post-op photographs, complications, the whole thing. And then all the plastic surgeons in the country that are undergoing this process, they all fly out to Arizona the exact same week in November. And all the, uh, the board examiners are out there with your list of cases, and they go through each one individually. And they say, you know, what happened in this case? What would you do differently? It's a, it's a quiz session to make sure that you're competent and that you're safe. Um, and so at this point, you've been in practice about a year and a half, and then it takes another couple months to get your um, results back. So, Do you know how many, how many people actually passed the exam when you took it this year? Is that information out? or do you? It's not out um, for this year yet that I know of. Uh, I think it comes out in March or April. But it's roughly, it's somewhere in the range of 15 to 20% of people fail the exam. So after six years of training, and after being in practice for a couple of years and having, you, you don't get to take that oral exam until you've passed the written exam. 
and the failure rates on the written exam, and I, I can go back, I did this you know, now 16 years ago, 1998, I think is about the time I was doing it, and the written exam had a failure rate uh, of anywhere probably from 15 to over 20% um, back then, and it was similar than the rates, I think, for the oral exam. So uh, you have to pass that written exam first, and once you've done that, you go on to take the, the exam Dr. Knotts was just talking about. And there's those five cases, which I know, but then there's more. There's more, too. So your five cases, like, for example, your five cases may be all reconstructive cases, depending on what your practice is. But when you go to go there for the exam, they also have just 10 surprise cases. They basically have 10 photographs, and they're generally, you know, more complicated reconstructions. And uh, you literally you sit across a little table um, from two experienced plastic surgeons, and they set a photograph down in front of you, and they say, what would you do? And you have to be able to take them through your full treatment plan, you know, whether it's a child, whether it's a, a breast reconstruction patient, facial trauma, whatever it is, you have to take them through how you would evaluate the patient, what you would do in the operating room, um, if something happened, some sort of complication, how you would manage it. And it's literally just you sitting across the desk from someone and they kind of grill you for, uh, you know, eight to ten minutes per case. So I remember, uh, you know, back in, now we're talking back in the day, and uh, the experience was that when you're going to go in there and you're going to say, I am going to do this, I am going to sew this laceration up uh, with a certain suture, and then they would say, great, that didn't work. What are you going to do next? Is that pretty much the way it happened? It's still similar. It's still similar. Um, now, my understanding is that then, like, you know, in the last 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was a little bit more um, up to the examiner what re what road they wanted to take you down. You know, they could, you could have a breast case, and by the end of that case, they could be talking to you about facial reconstruction, if that's what they felt like talking about. Now they have a standard. You know, there's eight or nine questions they have to ask every examinee. So they, they have a certain list of complications. Um, but in general, yes, they lead you to the end of your knowledge base. Or, or you just get them, you know, all the questions, you answer them satisfactory, in a satisfactory way, and they move on to the next case. So the options would be to go to six years of training, do, uh, including specialty training in plastic surgery, go into practice, pass a difficult written exam, pass an even more difficult oral exam, and then be certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery, or you could take a weekend course at the Hyatt and be certified by whatever board just happens to be out there, the, the notorious board of cosmetic surgery of right. Virginia. And that, and that's what sets us apart is the, the degree of training and knowledge base it even takes to be able to sit for the exam. So if you know that your surgeon is board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery, you know they've been through a lot. They went to an accredited medical school. They did an accredited residency. They took these two hard exams and passed it. So they have a, a nice broad base of knowledge and that's a great place to start if you're looking for a, for a plastic surgeon. That's fantastic. And now my experience, I'm a, a few years down the road and a few wrinkles more and if if you could see Dr. Noss today he looks lovely uh, he just <laughs> he, he just had a chemical peel his, his skin is fantastic mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't like it to move so you know he, he's, he's just wrinkle free Botox, too. Just he, had had Botox. He, he said it I didn't so I'm not really feeling any uh, <laughs> medical information um, but a few years down the line as I said um, I have to be recertified so I've already been through the process again now 10 years from the time we did that I had to go back 
take another test. Right, and uh, that's that's my understanding is that one's a little different. By then you you subspecialize, right? Can you? Yeah, but I, then I didn't have to answer all the questions or as many questions about pediatric plastic surgery, as many cleft lip questions, as many questions about burns. There were some there, absolutely. You still have that core knowledge base that they required, uh, but they allow you to kind of guide. So I was answering mostly questions about cosmetic surgery, uh, and I'm I'm uh, due up again in 2019. So that's my that's my next step, and that one probably gets me through retirement at that point. Twenty nineteen, twenty twenty nine. Yeah, yeah. He's ready for me to go. So, well, there you have it. That is the board certification process, and what we'd like to come back with now, uh, in just a little bit, I'd like to get um, the even older guys in here, Doctor Siegel, Doctor Wesson. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about distinctions uh, in choosing your cosmetic surgeon, even just beyond the board certification. What are some things to look at? So we'll be back in a little bit with that. Thanks very much for hanging in with us. Thank you. And we've been talking about how to choose a plastic surgeon. And now I have Dr. Weston and George. This is a microphone that's hooked up to a computer. Okay. So you uh, just get get close in there and whatever you have to say. <laughs> yeah. Get, how do yeah. you choose a plastic surgeon? That's what yeah, you want to do? Exactly. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Back, uh, back when he started, that's why I had to point out it's a microphone, they did most things on stone tablets. So I don't know what uh, we've learned over the years. He's still was, good with a chisel. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I, I just I can do anything with a hammer and screwdriver. Do not worry, okay? Even, even a facelift. You can type. Yeah, um, man. Well, I just spent a lot of time uh, talking to Dr. Knotts about board certification. So right. Chris and I sat down. We had a long conversation. He told us about what the whole process was like for him. And we talked about some of the confusion with other boards that yes. you don't know what you're getting yourself into. So we've, we've kind of covered um, board certification pretty well. But you guys have a great insight about how it was for you. Uh, and so share that, but also how do we just have somebody go out there and pick a plastic surgeon? And in my intro to this, I said I thought if you didn't have a friend who was willing to share their experience with you or show you the result, I said you're, you're, you're in a, a world of hurt to try and pick a plastic surgeon because it's confusing. Well, it is confusing, and it's hard for a layperson. How do, you, how do you choose a plastic surgeon? Because you go online, and a lot of them look all the same, right? And and everybody claims to be a specialist in some kind of cosmetic surgery. Um, but the reality is that if you're a dermatologist or an emergency medicine doctor or an OBGYN, you can be board certified in cosmetic medicine and surgery by the American Board of Cosmetic Surgery or the American Board of Cosmetic Medicine and Surgery and it looks like a real certification. Of course, the, the problem is that those boards are not recognized by the American Board of Medical Specialties and it's not the same as being certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery, as we know. And so the starting point would be for me, I would want to make certain that, that my surgeon did not do a weekend course learning how to do a cosmetic surgery procedure. You, you know, there I've seen this, this year uh, liposuction performed by a family practitioner, by a neurologist, by an emergency medicine uh, doctor, and by an OBGYN. I saw a radiologist. Radiologist, that's right. And so a lot of them look like the surface of the moon when they come to us, and we can't totally correct that. Problem is, I've seen the surface of the moon. And here we got off topic for just a little bit, so I'm going to redirect 
direct us back to when we got back on topic, and we're going to save secondary cosmetic surgery or fixing problems for another day. You're going to do, and then you do it. Okay, and that's really the thought process, and that's where board certification comes in, is because it takes years to develop a thought process, and it takes years of experience to hone it and refine it. But like you say, George, you can't come and take a weekend course and expect to have the nuances of the thought process put into place. You just well, don't have it. Well, the weekend course is not even going to be taught by plastic surgeons because well, we're, not, right. we're not going to train non-plastic surgeons to do plastic surgery. It takes years. One, one of the things that, that I've noticed is that once you start off with a board-certified plastic surgeon, they are not all created equal, just, just like golfers are not created equal. Tiger Woods and I play the same game, but but it's way at a different level. And there is Olympic-style cosmetic surgery, and there is non-Olympic-style cosmetic surgery. The ones of us that really specialize just in cosmetic surgery, you would think probably do cosmetic surgery better than the surgeons that don't specialize in it. And what I mean by that is that only 10% of board-certified plastic surgeons perform exclusively cosmetic surgery. The other 90% of board-certified plastic surgeons do a whole lot or mostly reconstructive plastic surgery like breast reconstruction after mastectomy, burns, cleft lips and palates and those kind of things. If your plastic surgeon does mostly reconstructive surgery, you wouldn't want to go to that plastic surgeon to do your facelift. Now, the Aesthetic Society, which is the society for most plastic surgeons that do just cosmetic surgery, keeps a list of how many of the procedures that their surgeons do every year. And on average, even the plastic surgeons that do just cosmetic surgery, on average, for instance, only do 16 facelifts a year. And I know that we oftentimes, and and a lot of years, we do do 100 100 each. each. And so when you're choosing a plastic surgeon, make certain that they do a lot of the procedure that you want done. It's like that for all surgery. You wouldn't go to just any orthopedic surgeon to have your hip replaced. You'd go to the guy that does hips. And it's the same thing for plastic surgeons. If you're going to choose a plastic surgeon to do cosmetic surgery, go to one that specializes in cosmetic surgery. And that's about where I let the wheels come off again, and we got off uh, topic and joined what we were talking about, but it's not what we actually wanted to talk to you about today. So I've got Dr. Siegel back. Into, I'm back. Uh, yes, we're going to redirect. And, you know, one thing that comes up uh, for us a lot is new technology. Yeah. And you're trying to pick uh, your surgeon. You're trying to pick who you want to have a procedure. And it turns out uh, Dr. Smith down the road tells you, well, I've got this uh, new machine, and it does wonders. H- how do you relate that to who you're going to pick and how to pick a surgeon? Well, it's, it's not always Dr. Smith telling me. Although I like Dr. Smith very much, and we get along very nicely. But it's often the uh, you know a patient will come in saying, I saw online about this new machine, and I think Dr. Smith has one. Yep. And so that seems to be the way I hear about it. And so what happens is, is the companies that make the machines are out there sort of driving the market. Okay. Now, some of these machines are really, really useful. And look, you know me, I'm, I, I love new machines. But it's really important, really important, to put that new technology in the context of your overall experience. What is it like that you've seen in the past? What, you know, what are the likely problems with it? What's it likely to do, given the way it's set up? And out of your experience, you can answer those questions. And is it going to do anything better 
than what you've got now. A patient's going to get a better result, or they're going to heal faster, going to be less bruising, what you know, whatever. Or there's going to be a lesser sort of modality that's going to give you a lesser result, but that might be okay for some people. And so that technology will fit in to your, you know, what we'd call armamentarium or different weapons that you have to treat the the issues that people have. Tools better than weapons. You know, weapons is a, yeah. yeah, yeah, tools, tools, yeah, tools is a good word. So you wanna you wanna see um, that your surgeon knows how to use the tools that he has and that he actually critically evaluates them uh, because you can buy the technology uh, and if you haven't evaluated it then you've bought it and we find people that they just then have to pay for it so they They start using when they say if, if all you have is a hammer all the world is a nail you know, you got to have more than a hammer. You got to have a lot of different tools. Tools, yeah. exactly. So, we know you're listening to this from around the the country, from around the world, and you're trying to see how it you know pertains to you in your area. So, I think that you've gotten a lot of that uh, from us today. Is there anything else you can think of, Doctor Siegel? Go go put it in context with a board certified plastic surgeon and let them help you evaluate it and uh, see what they have to say. Fantastic. All yeah. right. Wonderful. What's well, once again been a uh, great conversation. We look forward to seeing you more here uh, on our next podcast. Thank you, Plastic Surgery Nation, for tuning in. Don't forget to come to our website, Austin, A-U-S-T-I-N hyphen Weston, W-E-S-T-O-N dot com, and look for the segment to uh, contact us. I've been saying the inquiry button, and I went and I looked for one, and we don't have an inquiry button. Uh-oh. So we got to get an inquiry button. Yeah, we need an inquiry button. <laughs> we have a contact us. And the other thing, that there as you you're listening to this, we would love to have a sponsor, like Nike. Nike, if you're listening. Come on, Nike. We need something. Pepsi, how about Coke? Somebody. Look, we're doing this. We're Under Armour, I hope you're getting jealous. We're huddled around this mic like mice on cheese. Mm-hmm. So we could stand a nice setup here. Craft? Uh, come on. Come on, Craft Foods. <laughs> <laughs> the mouse needs a rhinoplasty. That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Again, we enjoy it. We thank you for coming in, and we'll see you here soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.